Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Fresh off an overtime win against the Chicago Blackhawks. And in comeback fashion, we are back in podcast form. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. And self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Marty Baron, it is a really interesting week ahead for Buffalo here with a upstart division rival in the Red mm-hmm. Wings, a longstanding rival that is coming off a horrific road trip in the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then back-to-back road challenges on the heels of our road crew party in Raleigh with games in Carolina and then Tampa Friday, Saturday. What does one make of where they're at and where they're going right now? It's interesting because the first couple of games of this homestand was Montreal and Chicago. And you're thinking, oh, okay, they get the easy teams first, right? But uh, not so much because Montreal's rolling. Chicago had been rolling and had lost to the Oilers, but they can they can play a, a pretty fast game. So um I, I to be honest with you, Duff, I have no idea what to expect out of those four teams that you just talked about. Because I've seen Detroit play so well this year and then at times like have these moments where you're like oh they're still are trying to figure it out right mm-hmm. so there's that Pittsburgh it's the same thing like they were so dominant in the early part of the season mm-hmm. and now they go all for whatever on the west over coast four. Trip. Yeah. over four but you know over on the west coast trip and and look slow and look like their big guys couldn't really get anything going the only the only time I felt like they were they were fast and buzzing is against the Oilers right away when Sidney Crosby scored. And then after that, it was like the energy just went right out of the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins, right? And um, with Carolina and Tampa, I mean, Carolina is going to be tough. And Tampa is obviously just the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Tampa hasn't had a good start, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 500 at best to uh, to their record right now. So it's, it's really I, – I have no idea. And this is why at this moment I'm thinking, okay, my focus if I was – Don Granado, the coaches or whatnot, would be less on who we're playing on the pre-scout and more about how do the Sabres need to play to push the opponents against the ropes. Like that well, is isn't that his approach all the time? I feel like he's verbalized that a lot. And I know yes. a part, I mean, obviously you have to do your due diligence and your pre-scout yes. and all that. But I mean, I thought Don's post-game comments on Saturday were Again, just a reinforcement of philosophical organizational beliefs that they want to share with the players. And that means if we're telling you to be this way, we're going to be this way. And, you know, the problem is it doesn't always work. And when you lose two in a row, everybody questions everything. And And it was close to that. It was close to that on Thursday, Friday, Montreal, Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. So... I don't know. But you're I, right, Duffer. The mindset is what can we do? How can we be better? How can as individual can you be better and make our team better? And you're right. You got to go in and against uh, Detroit and know what Detroit systems are with their power play, their penalty kill and all of that. And same for Pittsburgh, Carolina and Tampa. But 
I would think that right now in the early going in the season, number one, it's very short, a small sample. So if you're like looking to see what Detroit's power play like, like it's still early in the season to get a really good base and grasp as to what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, it doesn't matter because you just prove to yourself that when you push and you're aggressive and you're on your toes and you're, you know, you keep pressing, you can number one, come back in games. Number two, have 50 shots on goal. If you want to 45, like you can dictate the way the game is being played against anybody. And that to me is what the Sabres have to keep preaching. And the message has to keep being in the locker room. Before I forget. Ooh. And I was, I didn't really want to bring it up on the broadcast. Face-offs don't matter. Until they matter. 27% is what they won. And guess what? They won a critical, critical because it was a clean win and a goal. But it was only critical because it was a clean win and a draw and a a goal. Like, honestly, none this is the most useless statistic on a nightly basis. Because if you say 53-47 or 62-38, most people can't remember a single damn face-off that led to anything. So it doesn't matter. And until the reason, ma- like, a guy like Peter... a little breakdown like you had. So. And, uh, yes, it mattered when Middlestad won it after Olofsson's goal was negated. With a Middlestad offside twice this year, KC dragged a leg or rush, you know, over the blue line. Just a side <laughs> note. But the reason why we talk about, oh, Patrice Bergeron, best face-off guy out there. Yes, his face-off percentage is always... Tops in the leagues, right? 54, 55%. But when there's a big face-off on the line, like 30 seconds left in the game, the other team pulls their goalie. He takes a draw in the defensive zone. Most often than not, he wins those. So it's not so much the percentage that makes a difference is when does Patrice Bergeron win a draw? That's what matters. And although Casey Millsat was pretty bad in the face-off on Saturday night, he won the one that, got them on the one nothing lead, right? And that, to me, was very important for Casey and for the Sabres. Okay, uh, speaking of forwards, um, we've obviously seen um, a rotation, so to speak, uh, from through a number of players so far. And without being game-specific here coming up this week, what do you think the likelihood is that Don Granato keeps doing this with whomever, whether it's Inostroza, Krabs, Quinn, insert name here um like as a player marty does this eventually get tiresome for individual players and you risk kind of losing their feel for it all if they're constantly thinking that they're part of this rotation that's going to take them out well they're healthy right now with at forwards right entering the week and starting with detroit on monday night like the sabers are healthy at the forward position i remember playing with the rangers where uh we had um uh, uh, Justin Falk. He was a former Sabres as well, but he like couldn't get in the lineup. He was a seven D. All six were healthy. For... Snowflake, Manitoba. Is that where he's from? That's his hometown. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's okay. About seven good. of them, I think, from there. Uh, great <laughs> town name, by the way, Snowflake, Manitoba. Uh, but he couldn't get in the lineup, right? Because yeah. everybody was healthy. So maybe a rotation would have benefited our group and himself. But that's not the mindset that Torts and Mike Sullivan had with the Rangers, so they didn't. But the group is healthy here in Buffalo right now. So you have to have a rotation in mind. And 
for me, I think that there's only four players that are probably rotating material, right? You mm -hmm. have Quinn and Krebs, who were the first two that set out. You have well, Asman, Vinny was the first to set. Uh, Vinny was actually, you're right. Vinny was the first to sit out. Then it was Quinn, Krebs, and Aspen, which I was very surprised that Rasmus Aspen was part of that rotation. I thought it was going to be just a three-player rotation. It extended well, to four. Especially after we promoted his clean sheets in the podcast last week. And well, then, yeah, no goals and he, against at five on five. It's, it's still zero at five on five against anyway. And but but okay, Vinny was playing well, so you couldn't take him out, but you had just taken Jack Quinn out. You weren't going to take him out again. And Krebs, you wanted him back. I think Don Granado is gonna, in my opinion, continue to do a rotation, but I at some point you're gonna have to look at the players that you have in your rotation and say which one is the 13th forward, like the true 13th forward. And this one guy may sit out three, four, five in a row, not sit out two, switch, sit out two, switch. I think there's going to be until there may be an injury, something that brings that 13th forward back in. Now, when I look at it personally, I don't want Quinn to be the true 13th forward. If mm -hmm. he's going to be the true 13th forward and not play five or six games in a row, Send him to Rochester. Have him play there and get call him up when there's an injury for him to play. I don't want Krebs to be that guy either. I don't think Asplin should be that guy because I think Rasmus Asplin has a true role on this team. So, unfortunately, I think that true 13 forward would be Vinny Inestroza. Mm -hmm. Vinny was playing well. Had, the, had the, well, Not a hat trick, but three assists in one period. Like, he was mm -hmm. playing well. But eventually, I think if things come back to normal where everybody's got their role and everybody's going a little bit better that Vinny would be like at the start of the season, the 13th forward until there's an injury and then he'd slide back in. All right. Remember, we've got to keep this thing under half an hour. The The, the reviews were stunning last week on our oh. efficiencies. So we, we must maintain the pace now Get the pace because I'm hot. I got to keep the pace going. <laughs> You're hot and I'm freezing. Like, why is Buffalo like this? Like, why does it go from like seemingly 70 degrees to like 45 all of a sudden as I try to get a nice setting for us all anyway? Um, and let me know if the audio is really bad now that I know it's my really good, but um, it, it won't be a rotation per se. But it's a coach's feel, always, in-game, all the time. And boy, did Don feel it on Saturday. And he got it all right yeah. in the third period. But I think the real focal point of it for us is, where do we end up seeing Alex Tuck most yes. often as this game goes on? Because strangely, for some, Kyle Pozo emerged as a hero. Told you it was windy. Yeah. Um, Kyle Pozo just fit in so well with Thompson and Skinner. Yeah. So then you move Tuck, but I get excited every time they move Tuck because I think it gives somebody else a really great opportunity. Tuck is the catalyst up front. I, I won't lie to you. I feel like he can be that guy that gets everybody going. So you needed him with Thompson and Skinner. Good. Put him there. Get Thompson and Skinner going. And their game got going when Tuck joined them. And in the third period of Saturday's game against Chicago, Don Granado felt, I need to change things up. Like, we need to find that killer instinct. We need to score a goal. We need to put this team away. And he put Tuck with Cousins and Paterka, and they were really good together. But more importantly, Caloposo, which Don Granado had said, his game is turning around. It's turning around. Fit in perfectly with Thompson and Skinner. Now, do I think that that's a perfect first-line right winger? No, but it's all in short 
terms. Like mm -hmm. you can move your lines if everybody's playing the same system and everybody's comfortable and they respond the way they did in the third period. Why not having that rotation yeah. within the lines as well up front? Yeah, I love it. I think it's always a talking point. Wouldn't you agree? For people it's like for fans of the game point. it's a it's a it's a good casual entry point for conversation and for the diehards it gets even more interesting because then right. they then they get so passionate about who needs to be playing with another guy and and honestly we all see different things and that's why when coaches hit home runs like don did on saturday in the third period it's fun to watch because you probably you know when i say you i mean like a collective we like you're not sitting there thinking the same thing as the coach. And then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, I love sports. Like well, it's not just that. When I first saw new lines, I started writing down, like, oh, Krebs is with Cousins and, and Tuck. Well, no, Krebs was at the end of his shift and then yeah. he got changed and then Paterka got on. But I had already started to write Krebs with Cousins and Tuck. I had to cross it over, redraw all of it. I got excited because I'm like, oh, there's, there's energy. There's yeah. something that the Sabres are trying to do. And the other thing is, why do you think every media member at the morning skate always tweets the lines out? Because right, right. people want to know what the lines are. They yeah. want to know. It mm -hmm. is exciting when there's a change. And we saw a change leading into Saturday that was a little bit unexpected, but not really in the sense of we knew Labushkin had not been healthy for quite a while. Nagging injury, so to speak. So the big picture again, question, I don't know. Did you answer it with Tuck? Like who's Tuck likely to, is, is Tuck likely to just be this guy? That moves and moves and moves, or Swiss do you Army think... knife, Swiss Army yeah? knife for talk. Okay. I think you start him most likely. You go back and you start him with Thompson and Skinner on on most nights, right? It's going to be Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck. But okay. at any moment, you could say, "I want to change things up. I mm -hmm. feel like there's a spark with something else. I want to change it up," which is fine. But Tuck would be the first one to move mm -hmm. because then it sets the dominoes in effect. Well, I'll tell you, organizationally, it was shaping up to be a potentially disastrous <laughs> yes. end to the week. With Buffalo's injuries on the blue line and two injuries to Rochester, they, in essence, were down four guys because two guys were up and two were out. So they had to make two signings yes. in Davidson and Barkowski, and they got smoked eight to one on Friday on the heels of getting their doors blown off in the last game against Syracuse with a terrible third period. And then you're marrying it with two losses for for Buffalo. Yeah. And it's like, oh, boy, what are they going to do? They got to make a trade. They got to do this. They got to do this. And then. The Amherst just emphatically responded in front of Michael Hauser on Saturday with a 5-1 win, solid performance. The kids were terrific. And the Buffalo Poles went out of their backside in the third period against the Hawks. And we're not sitting here all of a sudden, although we inevitably will be, talking about pairings and things like that. So mm -hmm. can they, in fact, survive this shorthanded situation on the blue line. No Samuelson, no Yoki Haru, maybe no Labushkin in and out just to stay healthy and fresh. Mm -hmm. Like, how do they get through this? Do they have to make a deal? Well, they can, because if you look at the shot attempts against the Montreal Canadiens, sorry, I just knocked my computer over. That's, I do it all 7160 in favor of the Sabres, right? 7247 in favor of the Sabres against Chicago. So what does that mean? Puck possession, puck possession, puck possession. Who does that start with? Rasmus Dallin. So yeah. you got Dallin on defense, right? I mean, at that point, you would say what I would consider the best defenseman in the NHL so far this year. Mm -hmm. Production-wise, defensive-wise, puck possession-wise, unbelievable. Owen Powers started to, like, really feel it. And I thought Saturday night, even though he was not 
paired with Yuki Aryun may not happen. He had Clegg as a partner. They mm -hmm. looked really good together. Now, at some point in the third, Dallian Power played together. But again, you got yeah. two of what could be best in the league at some point on your roster. With those two, it doesn't really matter who you got around. Mm -hmm. If it's Lubushkin, great, because I think Ilya Lubushkin's a good part of it. Cal Clegg played really good Saturday night. Fitzgerald played really good Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody really played and followed the lead of Darlene and power. And yeah. with those two, it doesn't matter who you got. That's that's how I feel. And that's why I pointed it out after two periods when they were down 3-1 on Saturday. I said, a lot of people, present company included, are looking at the defense court lot tonight and wondering about the pairings and such. And all six of them had managed to be on the ice for one goal against through yeah. 40 minutes. So they all had their moments. And guess what? Everybody has their moments within a game. It's going to happen. It's how you respond. And obviously they, they push through. Um, I have to tell you, because when we were on the road trip, um, we were talking the one night in Vancouver when both Fitzgerald and Samuelson were going really well offensively before Sammy got hurt. Yeah. And I said, these guys look like they're in a personal challenge to get their first NHL goals tonight. So I brought that up to Fitzgerald the other day after the morning skate. He goes, oh, my God, both of us are constantly saying to one another, I'm never going to score a goal in this league. I'm never going to score a goal in this league. <laughs> and I was like, this is so refreshing because it's real. And that's what people see. Like, you, you see, like, this urgency. It's like, oh, my gosh, it would be so great for these guys to break through and get their first. And you know why it's so refreshing to hear? Like, what would a defensive defenseman's role be in this league? Don't get scored against. Don't yeah. get scored against. Don't mm -hmm. give up opportunity, whatever. And then Caloposo said something in the postgame Saturday night. He says, you have to put the, back, the puck in the back of the net. It's as simple as that. That's why you play the game. When you pick up a stick as a five-year-old and you play street hockey, you play the game to score, right? If you could yeah. score 25 and go home and say, I scored 25 goals tonight, that's what you want to do. And I love that both Samuelson, unfortunately hurt, not going to play for a little while, and Fitzgerald are thinking, I want to score a goal. Yeah. Like that's, that's such a great mindset to have that everybody wants to score a goal. Kyle wants to score a goal. Zemkis wants to score a goal. So does stage. So yeah. does Skinner. Everybody wants to score goals. It's fun. There's, there's, no, there's no question that there's, there's a, again, we go back to that philosophical approach organizationally and it trickles down to all parts, which allows everyone to feel like they're a big part at any given time. Um, anything else? from the Sabres before we quickly bounce league-wide and then wrap it up? Um, no, to be honest with you, like Craig Anderson's 3-0, sneaky 3-0 to start. I feel mm -hmm. like Eric Comrie's played well. Uh, again, there's going to be a rotation in net, like there's going to be a rotation in forward, and if they were healthy, there probably would be a rotation on D. That's just the way I look at it, and I think mm -hmm. that is Don Granado's plan. Um I like Don Granado yelling at the referee on Saturday night. Oh, he yeah. thought that was not a too many men on the ice, which was by about 25 feet, by the oh, way. Yeah. Yeah. But I love it. I I love that he got fired up. And maybe it was because it was Chicago, but I tend to think that that's Don's nature mm -hmm. to be a little fiery more than we think. Did you know who the Sabres Corsi for at five on five percentage leader is going into this week of busyness? Is it a young guy? It is Jack Quinn at almost sixty okay. percent. That's pretty uh, impressive could, for a what? guy who's not getting a lot of, uh, you know, attention based on mainstream stats at the moment. 
He he had some really good moments Saturday night. He had some not so okay moment, but that's gonna come. They're One all moment, guilty. They're all guilty of an. They're extra all guilty pass, of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, like like everybody and, yep. and veteran players also. Like Tuck is guilty at times of making a bad play. That's gonna happen. Yep. But my best Jack Quinn moment in Saturday's game is when he came into the zone in the third period and fire a laser of a wrist shot that caught Sutterblom right on top of the helmet. And he kind of jumped. The guy's six foot three. Actually, I think he's six four, but that's just whatever. His brother's six foot eight, so he's a tall man. And Jack Quinn caught him right on top of the helmet with a laser beam. What did you think, real quick, of Sutterblom? I thought he was really good. Yeah, I'll be him. honest with you. I liked him. I felt bad for, for him in a way because Victor Olofsson admittedly fanned on the one-timer. It kind of stayed low where he thought it was going to come up high and it beat him low on the ice, maybe underneath the pad or just next to the pad. I felt bad because those really suck as a goalie when you've yeah. got a good read on the player and it it misfires. Uh, but I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, I bring him up because of Buffalo and Rochester's, you know, uh, development of Lukanen. And I think, you know, as much as Soderblom was undrafted, there's still a profile of certain young goaltenders that exist that are in between right now. They're AHL, they're NHL. They sometimes don't get a lot of reps. That's why it's so important for Buffalo to try to get Lukanen as many of them this yeah. year. Um but they all they all have such similar curves, you know. They have these they have these great runs in the American Hockey League, but they also have some some ones where you start questioning their overall stat line and like I don't know is the NHL material. But then just like we saw with Lucan and last year, you get a run of games in the NHL, you can find a rhythm behind an NHL product, and it changes things. You've lived it, Marty. It's totally Again, different. There's a plan, right? And I love that you have to. Don Granado talked about Tate Thompson Saturday morning and says he's not in midseason form yet. He wants to be, but he needs the puck touches. Uko Pekalukinen needs to play games. He was the first goaltender in Rochester with the Amherst to start six, the first six game of the season since David Leggio did it 10 years ago. Like that, they said, we need UPL to play. Well, he played the first six back-to-back -back games, all of it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a plan in place. And I think that in the end, it should benefit Uko Pekalukinen like it benefits Soderblom. Like, I remember talking about Carter Hart in Philly when he got called up the first year with the Flyers. I was like, oh, I don't like that because the Flyers were not good. But he needed to play either in the American League or the NHL. They played him and he performed. And now he took a couple of steps back only to take a step forward this year uh, with the start the Flyers have had. But so for me, it's about playing. And Eric Comrie's played plenty. Craig Anderson's played what he should be. And the organization in that is doing what they should be doing right now. Right. And we know Devin Levi is having a really good run already yeah. in this young season at Northeastern. So it's a lot of fun. Okay, Marty, you're not going to believe this. But an old saying came to life in the NHL in three stages this week. Okay. You know the old line, does a bear shit in the woods or if a bear shits in the woods? Well, no. So, so it's, yes. like, that's the front end of the question, right? Yeah. So we have Ethan Bear. Okay. We have Huberdo taking a, you know what? Bathroom break. Bathroom break. Yes. And we have, we have Miles Wood oh. <laughs> capping, capping the scoring for the Devils on Sunday in a 7-1 win. 
So we've got it all. We've got bear shit woods all <laughs> at once here in today's NHL. I don't know if I've ever been able to, you know, put together that little uh, trifecta before. It's a good one. It's yes. And the other one I think is if a three falls in the wood, uh, does it make a sound? Right. So uh, we haven't had that one. We're going to have to find the tree and the sound or whatever, but I wonder if Uberdo had beer, uh, beef tips before the game or as a pregame meal. So we had beef to... tips. They can't be bad. They can't be bad. Like no, in, in Calgary, they're not bad. Um, but anyway, just uh, so you know, um, as a goaltender, that would be the death of me if I had to take a bathroom break because mm -hmm. getting undressed as a goalie is the worst. As a player, you can do it. And that's why Luongo, the one year, didn't come out until the middle of the overtime period because he was stuck in the Conklin, bathroom Winter and then Classic. ended up losing the game. But Ty Conklin uh, had it at Winter Classic. I think it was the one at Wrigley. Uh, Ty was in a lot of them. So um, <laughs> Kurt, you know, apologies if... if uh, but oh, hey, quick, you know, quick, quick uh, trivia question. Who was the goalie that replaced Luongo in the overtime that year for the Vancouver Canadians? Vancouver Canadians? And the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> the Canadians I, were the PCL AAA yeah. ball team. <laughs> um, no, the Vancouver Canucks. Who replaced Luongo that one playoff game when he was uh, taking a bathroom break? Well, you're probably going to tell me it was Conklin. No, it was not. But it was, you said Conklin. I started thinking it was Danny Sabrin. Do you remember oh, Danny Sabrin? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was him. Yeah. And he made amazing saves while the yeah. other one's taking a poop. Yeah. Was he any relation <laughs> to Warren Skorodensky or the other uh, virtual number unknown? 40? <laughs> number 40s in Chicago Blackhawks goaltending history. Okay. We've digressed, but I do want to say. I think it's pretty impressive when people can reinvent themselves after a long, long, long period of time. Isn't it amazing that in the last week and a half, Lindy Ruff has gone from being unable to coach professional hockey to winning six of seven games and the Devils are in first place in their division as of Sunday afternoon. You need goaltending, number one. Like, Point me a good goaltender, I'll point you a good coach. Point me a yeah. bad goaltender, I'll point you a coach that's going to get fired, but, right? Do you know, though, have you seen the underlying numbers for oh, the yeah. Devils? Their oh, expected goals for are first in the league by a mile. By a mile. And I'm going to say 80% of their roster has a Corsi 4 at 5 on 5 higher than Buffalo's leader, Jack Quinn. Almost the entire team is 60% or above. These numbers are almost impossible to believe. So it only makes sense that now New Jersey has won six of the last seven games. They are on what's known as a heater. So at five on five, uh, entering Sunday's games, the Devils were 22 goals expected for and 10 goals expected against for a plus 12 differential. The closest team to that is Florida at a plus nine. So there are three goals better than any other team in the expected goals to, uh, like category. It's crazy. And now, and now their offensive guys are warming up as well as getting decent goaltending. Now I yeah. know the naysayers are going to say, which is totally wrong based on everything we've just seen in the last week. Eh, they haven't faced the toughest parts of their schedule yet. Well, all I know is this. I like the devils in the off season. I think they had a lot of talent in place and the question remained, what type of goaltending would they get? So on any given week, if they're stable in the crease, I think this team is very, very, very capable of outscoring its opponent. 
I with a with a with, with a with like a three and a half type number on a regular basis. I so. totally agree with you. I always said Lindy has a good system in place. He definitely needs a good goaltender because sometimes they will take some chances. But if you feel you're confident in your your, your backstopper, like Dominic Kashuk and Ryan Miller, uh, when that and Lindy was in Dallas, he had Niemi and Karolainen. It wasn't working. He couldn't play the style he wanted to play because the goalies weren't making a save. If if uh, Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek make the average saves, they're going to play with confidence and they're going to play Lindy style, which is what we saw with Breer and Drury and Afeniganov and Vanek and Ryan Palmer. Like those guys shine because it's go, go, go. It's aggressive. Just got to get a save. Okay. Last word to you on whatever Last you word want. to me. A couple of things uh, over the weekend. One, a great story. These two fellas from Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, who listened to Sabres live all the time, came for a sports weekend. Sabres game Saturday, Bills game Sunday. Uh, but the younger kid, maybe an 18, 20-year-old kid, I don't know, he, he's, he was a big fan of, me, of mine. So they wanted to come up to the set, but didn't have a 200-level ticket to come up to the set, right? So this good Samaritan fan who had extra ticket stub with him said, here you go, come up with me, I'll, I'll walk you up to the set. So all of a sudden, Right. This this gentleman goes, Marty, these guys want to meet you. So I go over and the one kid like he's he's so excited. He, he's beyond himself. He's got the goat head black jersey on. He wants me to sign it, take a few pictures. And then the, the good Samaritan gentleman walks away and I'm like, hey, thanks, Larry. I'll see you later. And so these guys are like, he's such a nice guy. Like, I can't believe like he just saw us and we couldn't come up and nice guy. I'm like, well, you know who that is, right? And he goes, no. I'm like, that's Larry Quinn, like former president. What it, what, yeah. I don't remember what he was president yeah, or yeah. 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 part owner a little bit. Like, you know, basically was the right hand man to Tom Galsano in these years. And these guys are like, oh, what? That was Larry Quinn. I thought I recognized them, but I wasn't sure. So a great like moment, Larry. Thank you for bringing these guys up. That was awesome. Uh, and my second little story I want to tell to finish is Rob Ray took a shot at us and that he turns us on every noon to one every day on Sabres Live on MSG and WGR. And he always takes a nap. But he's been talking about how he's tough, right? Razor's tough. He talked about Ty Domi Saturday night. How I used to fight Ty Domi all the time. And now he got in a car accident Thursday on the way to the game, right? Oh, I got cut on my nose and my back hurts a little bit. Like, you, you want to know what stuff? What stuff is... When I was with the Islanders, Brendan Witt got hit by a cab. And I'm not saying he's driving around and a cab hit him. He was crossing the intersection as a pedestrian, got hit by the cab, okay, rolled over the hood, spit out, got <laughs> up. The guy goes, oh, my God, let's call an ambulance. And Brendan Witt goes, don't call the ambulance. I have to get to a hockey practice. I'm good. I'm a hockey player. And went on to practice and played that night. Now, that's tough, Razor. What you did. Just average. Well, in defensive razor, you know, advanced math can be intimidating for a lot of people. So I feel like that's the situation he's in. It's just hard to understand. So, you know, okay. you tend to you tend to tune out. If Razor really naps during our show, he won't listen. He won't hear what I'm saying. So I will never hear him say anything back. Now, if this week he finds out I'm in big trouble, Duffer, you better help me out. Oh yeah, I'm I'm feeling I'm <laughs> Feeling like a really worthy. Adversary. Hey, we're a duo. Remember, we're a duo. We're a yeah, duo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On that note, I gotta go. Gotta think of a hiding spot for our next broadcast, so I don't have to deal with Razor head on. 
Thank you, as always, to our friends at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, and we will see you soon.